Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Pushkin. Imagine there's a place in our world where the known things go. Corridors lined with lockers, filled with textbooks and backpacks and snacks. That place, this place, is a high school. Sneakers skidding on freshly waxed linoleum floors, fluorescent lights gleaming overhead, the gavel of gossip flirting in the hallway. And down this hallway, a history class. What is a fact? Start there, amongst your table. And how do you know when something is true? Discuss. Take a few minutes. Welcome to The Last Archive, the show about how we know what we know and why it seems lately hard to know anything at all. I'm Jill Lepore. This episode, we're going back to school to learn how to know What's true? Someone tell me. Be brave now. What's a fact? Who wants to go first? Start me. What's a fact? Benji Cohen teaches world history at Cambridge Ringe and Latin School, a public high school in Massachusetts, outside Boston. So we're going to watch a thing. Like three minutes long. You have in front of you the transcript of it to use afterwards. One day last winter, he started his class by playing a campaign ad, actually a spoof of a campaign ad, in which a generic political candidate says meaningless things over stock footage and sappy music. Hello, it's me, candidate for president. A person with a face. A person whose hand gestures are definitely not weird. Here are a bunch of different people matched with career signifiers, like a helmet, a uniform, or a stethoscope, on the off chance that you identify with one of them. And here's a guy with a belly, a beard, and a hard hat. I talked to this guy.
The kids in Mr. Cohen's class thought this was pretty funny. Laugh out loud funny. They got it right away. They'd seen political ads their whole lives. And they get, oh my God, they so get irony. What is this ad arguing? What's it actually say? What aesthetic choices stand out to you? Uh, what does it reveal to you about American politics? And uh, are there any factual claims here? And if so, what are they? Take two minutes, talk to each other. I was there in Benji Cohen's class to witness a thought experiment brought to life. An attempt in this our season of solutions to confront up close, mano a mano, the problem of political misinformation. These kids know their country is facing a lot of problems. But a lot of the election talk they hear sounds more like a fight in the hallway. You lie. No, you lie. Politicians lie. They tell big lies. This has been true for as long as there have been politicians. And it'll be true forever. Well, I'm not a crook. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it. And didn't inhale. Campaign ads are full of misrepresentations. Attack ads are the worst. But even straight-up pro-candidate ads can be outrageously deceptive. And entire political campaigns, even campaigns for the White House, can be lost over these ads. Consider the time in 1988 when supporters of George H.W. Bush aired an ad attacking Massachusetts Governor Michael Dukakis for being weak on crime. Dukakis not only opposes the death penalty, he allowed first-degree murderers to have weekend passes from prison. One was Willie Horton. The ad was deceptive, but it was also effective. It's often cited as a major contributing factor for Dukakis losing his election. Or think about how, in 2004, when one ad all but accused Vietnam veteran John Kerry of treason. He betrayed us in the past. How could we be loyal to him now? This was not true, but it helped sink Kerry's campaign. To say that this has been going on for a long time isn't to say that it isn't especially terrible right now, because it is terrible. There's no real way to answer lies and misrepresentations in political ads, no effective way to fact-check them. In the broadcast era of broadcast radio and television, the FCC created a set of rules for political ads. Those rules mean that broadcasters just can't, cannot refuse to air a political ad if it's been made by the candidate's own campaign. You might remember last season when we had a whole episode about a thing called the Fairness Doctrine, an FCC rule that made it so television and radio stations had to reflect all points of view. But that rule ended in 1987 with the end of the Fairness Doctrine and the rise of talk radio and partisan cable television, an era where you get stuff like this. And the rest of you feminazis, here's the deal. What I have here uh, is a copy of Donald Trump's tax returns. We have his federal tax return for one year, for 2005. Uh, what we have are these two pages. People have tried to bring back the Fairness Doctrine, but it never works. It's not coming back. And even though this is a season of solutions, I have to be honest. Broadcast television and radio, cable television, I don't see a solution there when it comes to horrible political ads. The real fight... And the real possibility, too, is with social media. The FCC doesn't control political advertisements on social media. No central governing body does. There are no rules, except the ones social media companies make for themselves. Wild West, all that. And usually, I would say this is a bad thing. The internet, it loves lies. It thrives on lies, conspiracies. Lies get clicks, clicks make money. You know all about it. The thing about these companies is... 
they can still change how they work. They could still change how they handle political ads. They could make a new version of the Fairness Doctrine, something better, not a doctrine, but a practice. That's how I ended up in Benji Cohen's history classroom at Cambridge Ringe and Latin. Because who knows social media better than teenagers? Also, I'd come across an idea that I thought maybe could fix this whole mess. A while back when the days were cold and short and COVID was in one of its peaks, I went to visit a colleague of mine, Jonathan Zittrain. He teaches at Harvard Law School, and he's the co-founder of the Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Society. I had a hunch one of Zittrain's ideas would be perfect for my season of solutions. Everyone calls Jonathan Zittrain Jay-Z. Okay, not Jay-Z as in Jay-Z and Beyonce. Jay-Z as in Jay-Z, the legal scholar. He might not be a multi-platinum Grammy winner, but Jay-Z is the man. He got into computers as a sysop on a CompuServe forum for people who love Texas instruments. That's computer speak for moderator on a discussion board. He was in sixth grade. He's still got that anarchic early web energy and faith. He's always got these ideas that are so crazy, they just might work. This idea was really to myself just meant as a thought experiment that was clearly goofy, but I was just going to think it through and see where it led. And as time has gone on, it has seemed less and less goofy, or maybe it's that everything else has seemed more and more so, so it's the last plan standing. Zitrain said, I know how to solve political misinformation in campaign ads. Or at least he said, I have a pretty darn good idea for how to try. Imagine, in every civics or U.S. history classroom in every public high school across the country, students gathering, say, for one class period a week, to decide what political ads should be allowed on the internet. Trial by teenager. If we ask those students to have a look at the ads as they are proposed to be run on a platform like Facebook, and take a moment and see if they pass some threshold of disinformation, of lying outright, uh, of inaccuracy, deliberate in whatever small groups they might form from among uh, a single classroom, and then see if they can come to consensus or, if necessary, a vote on whether the ad meets a minimum standard of truthfulness. And if the students decide that it fails to, their decision sticks, and that ad will not run. And there you have it. High school students, they decide. Not only would you, it turns out, have enough high school students to actually manage the scale of the number of ads being lodged, but maybe you'd be in a position both to have their decisions respected, and you might be helping them exercise a muscle from the vantage of playing the role of an arbiter that could come in handy as they, in turn, become voters a year or two after these exercises. Yeah, I love that sort of two-for quality about it, right? That it both sort of resolves the, the question of should these ads be made available to the public and how high school students can learn skills as citizens in a, in a democracy. It also, because I, as I understood your proposal, you'd be grouping together students from different communities. Yes. Kind of anti-polarization or check against polarization is also maybe the forefer piece of 
I think that's right for for now. And you'd get the value of both the deliberations and this is something you don't much get on a jury, asking the students to craft their reasoning. And it might be that some students would write in dissent and Mm -hmm. that that could be very useful. Yeah, yeah, there could be like a minority report. Exactly. Now, I think this is a fascinating idea and a really promising one. But I want to be very clear about what it's not. It's not a lark. It's not idle speculation or armchair quarterbacking. It comes from Jay-Z's very careful analysis of the problem with the internet and society. He described for me three different eras in that history. And the first era was one of what I'd call uh, the rights era. Era one, the rights era, where anything goes, free speech. That era lasts through the early years of the internet and even the start of social media. In that era, you could say anything you wanted. There were no limits. A lot of people hoped, expected even, that the internet would strengthen democracy by democratizing publishing. And as you know, this isn't quite what happened. People started to revolt against this idea of free speech. And so Era 2 started around the year 2010, Jay-Z says. And he calls Era 2 the public health era. It's then that some kinds of speech came to be understood as harm, as if bad ideas are viruses. But a problem with the public health era is this. Who decides which speech is harmful? The problem is that we don't even trust our public institutions, and it's not like we're trusting Facebook or Twitter these days so much. So whom would we want to wield the power to shape what we can and can't see? And that led to me uh, thinking there might be a third era in the making, which is the era of legitimacy or process. Era three, the process or legitimacy era, I think maybe it needs a better name. But Jay-Z's point is that in the era we're now in, we need to find a process, one that people respect as legitimate, that can start to reconcile the tension between rights arguments and public health arguments. And so he says, what process do people still respect? Trial by jury. You say, gosh, what that jury decided doesn't seem like what I would decide from what little I followed that case, but they were there, they know, And that person who was judged by that jury got a fair spin, would be the idea of an ideal process. From there, Jay-Z came up with the idea of having a jury of high school students decide what political ads can and cannot get posted on social media. For Jay-Z, this scheme began as a thought experiment. I mean, I think it also came out of the fact that he was moderating content online when he was in sixth grade. But... Some of the best things ever invented started out as thought experiments. This high school thing, it had started as a thought experiment, but I told Jay-Z I wanted to actually do it. And then we both got excited because Jay-Z, well, he thought that if it worked, it might actually become a thing. If Mark Zuckerberg woke up one morning or one of his primary deputies and said, this would be a great idea, (laughs) you could like suddenly have a nationwide implementation rather quickly. Um, That makes it very high stakes. That brings us back to our experiment. I put together a lesson plan, and I went to Ringe to test it out. To Benji Cohen's class. Back to school. Right after the bell. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. 
Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. For those who can't see, my room is small and has no windows. And so when I moved in, I was like, these walls are going to become tattooed. Benji. Mr. Cohen. Mr. C. At age 32, he's already a legend. Cohen's lean. He's a runner. In winter, he wears chucks. All-stars. Otherwise, sandals. He is killer at ultimate frisbee. Also, tennis. He tells his students they can gamble their grade on his serve. One serve. If they can return it, he'll give them an A+. Otherwise, they flunk his class. His first year teaching, one kid who was already getting an F took him up on it. The whole class went outside, their tennis courts out front. Mr. Cohen aced him. The kid's F stood. That was four years ago. No one has challenged him since. The walls of his classroom are covered. There's a giant poster that reads, Free Public Education is a Civil Right. There's a photo of James Baldwin. And pasted on all four walls are student projects. Some highlights include the Pizzagate board game. I teach a class about American politics and current events. And we do a unit on like conspiracy thinking and the infiltration of that into politics. And so we examine Pizzagate and uh, some students decided to turn it into a game. This school, Cambridge Ringe and Latin School, or Ringe as everyone calls it, is a big citywide public school. My kids all went to Ringe. What up, Rami? Come on, come on, what up, Rami? 
You do look a lot like your mom. School has nearly 2,000 students. More than half of them are students of color. Kids at Ringe are native speakers of more than 20 languages. At graduation, they welcome the audience in each of those languages. I've attended that ceremony, and I can tell you everyone cries when that part happens. If you live in Cambridge, you hear about the famous people who went to Ringe. Patrick Ewing, Matt Damon, and Ben Affleck, Casey Affleck, Bill de Blasio, NPR's Car Talk guys, they went to Ringe too. Benji Cohen, he went to Ringe. Anyway, it's a fantastic, amazing, hubbubby school. What's up, Tom? The morning we went to Ringe just after MLK Day, the kids tramped in, winter coats, face masks, backpacks, looking a little sleepy. They slouched into those chairs, you know, the ones with the tennis balls on the feet. They checked TikTok. And then Mr. Cohen got started. All right, everyone, put your phones away. Welcome. Um, here's what we're going to do today. Uh, our guests are going to introduce themselves. And then we're just gonna jump right in. Sound like a plan? All right, rock on, let's do it. <laughs> All right, good morning, everybody. Um, Mr. Cohen's probably told you, we're working on a podcast, and the podcast is about how people know things and know whether things are true. So thing one, there's a piece of paper at your desks. You can use it or you cannot. The first thing we want you to think about as a collective, just talk to each other, you could write notes if you want, is what is a fact? And how do you know when something is true? We wanted to figure out how kids thought about facts, opinions, beliefs. Twenty or so students, mostly juniors, divided into four groups and sat huddled around tables pushed together, trying to write a definition for the word fact. It was a kind of beautiful chaos. Fact is like something that can be proven, like with an experiment or like science or something. Like I feel like people get facts and opinions mixed up a lot. And like beliefs, like okay, Ruth is a junior, plays on the basketball team. She's also part of a student-run project at Ringe whose aim is to integrate more of the black past into the history curriculum. She seemed like a classic go-getter, front of the room, hand-raised kind of kid. Mr. Cohen nodded along, encouraging them. Then he called on a ninth grader. Anya, start me. What's a fact? So a fact is something that can be, like, proven. You have a statement that's been said, like, um, Benji was born on... July 22nd. July 22nd, 1992 or whatever. I wish. <laughs> um, and to prove that, he would have, like, a birth certificate to prove it, which would mean, like, you know, that's that. That's the fact. And, but, like... I think that's what I had on. Almost sounds like you're saying you need, like, a primary source. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that. Okay, great. Good start. But then what? Mr. Cohen kept pushing them. And what's striking here, I hope you can hear it because it blew my ears right off my head, is the seriousness with which the students are taking all of this. Sure, they're messing around, but there's a real sense of solemn responsibility that this civic exercise, maybe it matters. Maybe to their great okay, and maybe to their relationship to Mr. Cohen, whom they all adore. But also their relationship to one another and to themselves. They care. They really care about getting this right. From the start, they cared about that. They cared about doing it well. Mr. Cohen has this way of urging his students on. It just knocked me out. Be brave, he'll say. Go for it. Rock on. We're going to rock with an example given from the back. I want to hear what everyone has to say. Okay, so Robbie, Robbie trying to make trouble starting in the morning. So here's the question. You ready? You ready? 
Is it a fact that on January 6th, Trump supporters went into the United States Capitol? Is that an established fact? And if so, how do you know? Go ahead. Uh, yes, it is. So there's two parts of this. There's the went into the Capitol part and the Trump supporters part. As for the went into the Capitol part, we have video evidence showing that people were in the Capitol. And we also know that from that video evidence, those people appeared to be Trump supporters. It's a fact. Isaac, you just heard Isaac. He's a junior, member of the school debate team. He was sitting next to Robbie, who started the school hiking club. Robbie piped up next. I'm under the belief that, I mean, there's like a 100% true fact. It's just whether we know it or not. Um, and me personally, I'm 99% sure that it, it actually was Trump supporters. But there's always like, there's always a possibility that it's something completely different. I think at this point, it's not even whether or not you know it. It's whether or not you believe it. Robbie and Isaac and Zach, boys in the back of the room, kept ramping it up. In the mythology of the big city public school classroom, the boys in the back of the room would be leaning their chairs back, chewing gum, throwing wads of paper at the front. But Mr. Cohen knows. These kids are smart. So is fact just about belief? You're just accepting it? I'm on team, I'm on team that they must be this, and that's where it's true. Any other understandings of a fact, separate from that example, what else makes a fact a fact? All right, go for it. Ari's a senior. He's in the school musical. Like, I really liked, um, like, George Orwell's 1984 when he he was talking about, um, like, whether the truth really matters. And, of course, it does matter um, to all of the characters, right? Like, the final thing that they ask you to dismiss is the truth of your eyes and ears. Is a fact actually about, like, majority acceptance? Is that what makes a fact a fact? No, no, because that goes directly contrary to like the uh, the definition of facts that we've talked about before, which is a fact is something that can be basically verified Mm. with direct evidence. All right, that leaves us in a good place. Yep, a good place with a working definition of a fact and ready to apply that definition to some political ads. Mr. Cohen, move to that next. We're gonna watch two ads. These are. We'll see what actually happens. I think the Republican incumbent, meaning the guy who's currently the Republican senator in Wisconsin, it's his re-election ad. His name is Ron Johnson. And I think, fair to say, maybe the Democratic front runner to challenge him. So you're gonna watch two ads in a row. The front- Mr. Cohen's students were ready to be called to the jury. They'd be evaluating two internet ads from the same race for a Senate seat in Wisconsin. We picked Wisconsin sort of randomly, but this looked like an interesting race, and the goal of the first experiment was just to see how the kids thought about truth in advertising, see if they'd even be interested in this. So for this version of the experiment, we wanted to ask high schoolers to consider candidates from another state, campaigns they'd probably not followed or even heard of. First, the Democrat, Mandela Barnes. Excuses are nothing but a dead end, and expectations? something to be shattered. You can't see it, so I'll just tell you, this whole ad, basically, Barnes is running, literally running, in track shoes and shorts. There are no idle hands here. No low we haven't carried. No one waiting for a handout or a free pass. But that hard work isn't paying off like it used to. My mom taught school for 30 years. My dad worked third shift at the factory. When I think about their hard work, about everything that Wisconsin families have on the line, There's no option to tap out, no towel to throw in. 
instead of changing our dreams, we gotta change the game. That, that's America at its core. In this state, our state, we were the first to ratify the 19th Amendment, giving women the right to vote. We were the first to protect the rights of the LGBTQ community. We are game changers. Okay, that's number one. And here is number two. Remember, the task of this jury is to watch and listen and look for assertions of fact, because afterward, they'll have to check them. So next, we all watch the Republican incumbents ad. This guy's running for re-election as Wisconsin senator. Our country is in trouble. Democrat policies have been disastrous for America. Open borders and a flood of illegal immigrants. The 2020 summer riots, defunding the police, lowering bail and not prosecuting criminals. The result, more crime, human and sex trafficking, record drug overdoses, Kenosha set on fire, a growing number of murders in Milwaukee, and the Waukesha Christmas Parade turned into a terrible tragedy. It feels like our country is being torn apart. That's not how it felt when I ran in 2016. Back then, I intended to serve a second term and go home. But now, with the Democrats in total control, our nation's on a very dangerous path. If you're in a position to help make our country safer and stronger, would you just walk away? I've decided I can't. I'll stand and fight for freedom. I'm Ron Johnson, and I approve this message because I love America and Wisconsin just like you. So the students watched the two ads, Ron Johnson, Mandela Barnes. Then we handed out transcripts of what the candidates had said, line by line. And Mr. Cohen divided the class into two groups, one for each candidate. So, y'all handle Ron Johnson, y'all handle one Mandela Barnes. Listen close. One, using those sheets in front of you, does your ad have statements of fact? Find out which ones are true. Actually find out. Get a computer. Look, one person. Is this ad useful? Is your ad true enough to be posted online by social media companies? Why or why not? Enjoy, have fun, Ron Johnson, Mandela Barnes, let's do it. I started out watching the kids who were evaluating Mandela Barnes' ad, the jogging Democrat. Ari, the kid in the school musical, jumped in first. I mean, he said protect the rights of the LGBTQ community. Like, even though that's super broad, I feel like it's at least a stance, yeah. kind of. But it's still so vague that he's still... I feel like protecting workers is something that either one of them could say, like the Democrat and the Republican could Yeah, like, what does it mean to protect workers? Exactly, right. I also thought it was odd how he said we were the first to protect the rights of the LGBTQ community, but I'm like, we what, does, what does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? Just candidate first. Where do you start? I'd say the 19th Amendment, because that's a pretty, I mean, you, can, you can either find out if that's correct or not. So, okay, they only had about 20 minutes to get this done, but they took out their phones and started searching, looking for places to catch Mandela Barnes in an error of fact. Teenagers are pretty good at the art of the takedown. The first thing by NPS.gov, June 10th, 1919, Illinois, Michigan, and Wisconsin became the first states to ratify the amendment. So maybe technically Wisconsin was among the first. Among the first, but... <laughs> well, maybe his we statement, all right, if we make it vague enough, he's like, we as in, like, all of the states that did it with them, you know? Or maybe within 1919, Wisconsin was first on the calendar? No, I think there's other... 
I left them mulling over that one. Then I headed over to the group that was evaluating the Republican, Ron Johnson's ad. They'd gotten really interested in this one line listed on the transcript that we'd handed out. Line 10, where the senator says, as part of a list of things that are wrong with America, Kenosha set on fire. Mr. Cohen got them started. Okay, I want one of you to explain how we've just gone through this, thinking about line 10. So start from the beginning. When we looked at the lines, before we uh, unpacked line Kenosha 10. Kenosha set on fire. What did we think? Was Kenosha set on fire? Were there fires in Kenosha? Fires? Right, I'm just looking at his line here, right? He says, Kenosha set on fire. If we Googled right now, was Kenosha set on fire? What would we find? Well, I guess Peter's doing it right now. He can tell us in a moment. What I'm, what I'm getting at is, is there a fact here, but there's something missing in the fact? Kenosha may have been set on fire, but like, what is missing here? The context. The context. Who set it on fire? Why it was set on fire? The context. That feels valuable information, right? Yeah. The students did a bunch more Googling, close reading of the transcripts of the ad, checking facts. This much was clear. For this experiment to really work, students would need more time, not just one class period. Maybe more like a week. I have an idea. That's Ruth again, stepping in to save the day and come up with a possible verdict. I feel like it could kind of be a good idea to like show both perspectives at the same time, because I know like Oh, for wow, for yeah. example, the first slide could be this, and then the next slide could be like the other side of it. So like then you the can Mandela get, Barnes. We yeah. see a little Ron so Johnson, a little Mandela Barnes. Yeah, so you can get two perspectives at the same oh, yeah. time. And also, like, um, when like when you post um, this specific campaign on um, social media and stuff, there can be like a link for like different words like Kenosha, and then you click on it, and then like it takes you, and like you actually know facts. So it's just like all, you learn stuff all together rather than just like seeing one thing and then going with it. Like you're presented with both sides okay. and like. So, this is a good idea, a really good idea. But it isn't a new idea. It is, in fact, the fairness doctrine, the classic way of navigating the murky waters where fact and opinion mix. Still, the idea was new to Ruth, and she came up with it in one class period. Up until this moment, I'd been wondering would this experiment work? Would these kids get it? This was when I knew it was working. Soon, we'd get to hear their verdicts. Coming up, After the break. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. 
pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. The high school history students at Ringe were about the most thoughtful commentators on the problem of political misinformation that I'd ever come across. I could have listened to them forever. But Mr. Cohen knew the bell was going to ring pretty soon. He called everyone back together. Time for a final verdict. Both ads were true enough, the students said. Both could be posted on social media. Then Mr. Cohen asked a different question. Who is more honest, Mandela Barnes or Ron Johnson? In your opinion, who presents a more honest view of themselves as politician? This turned out to be a really difficult question. For a minute, the kids were stumped. They hadn't thought about honesty. Robbie said, honesty is a political good. Maybe it really counts. And then when he started thinking about honesty and thinking about those two ads through that lens, the ads looked different. Johnson, the Republican incumbent, remember, and Barnes, his Democratic challenger. I could not predict what Barnes would vote for, which as a voter is most important to me. Mm. Um, Barnes's thing is, is his ad is so generic that I don't know where he stands. Like, I don't know his base at all. I don't know how progressive he is. I don't know how moderate he is. I mean, the Democratic Party as a whole, it's like a huge spectrum. So specifically for Barnes, I feel like I get less of a read on him as a person mm. than I do on Johnson. So even if I, even if I may agree with him more. So this question of personally, yeah, so this question of honesty, would you say Johnson is more like honest with Johnson? Him? Johnson is not more honest with himself. He's more honest with his policy. I don't okay. know who Johnson is as a, as a person, and I never will. But at least I will know what he's going to vote for. And with that, the class was just about over, and it was time to head off to calculus and Spanish and band. But before we stopped recording, Mr. Cohen asked one last question, just before the bell rang. He wanted to know, if this actually happened, if high school kids were actually tasked with vetting political advertisements, would these kids want to take part? How should social media companies decide whether stuff is true enough to be posted? Which one of you is going to be brave? Talk to me. Come on now. Um, 
Look at you, Sharis. She was looking at me. Yeah. Sharis had been quiet for a while. Mr. Cohen was giving her an encouraging stare. Tell me, do you think it's good for, do you want the responsibility as a citizen in democracy? No, not necessarily. I think, I don't know if I should have that much of a say of how social media companies, like, dictate what they do. I don't know if that's really all that. Then everyone had an opinion. Honestly, no one knows social media better than teenagers. The social media companies shouldn't be in charge at all. Um, they have way too much to gain. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it should be teenagers, but <laughs> um, it should just not be social media companies at all. I feel like we definitely should be asking random people, random citizens, to be the fact checkers because they have no idea. <laughs> I think that the reason that works for juries is because trick cases can take like weeks and stuff. I don't want to spend weeks of my life deciding whether or not to flag a post with 30 likes on Facebook. Um, <laughs> Then a no-nonsense redheaded junior named Geffen jumped in. He jumped all in. I don't think that the social media companies should be deciding what's true and what isn't true. They shouldn't be controlling what we see. Diversity of thought is important. Shutting everyone down like Putin does, not so great. I don't support that. But of course it is their right to do it because it's their own business. Geffen, if you were to lean sort of all in, meaning the social media companies should just allow politicians to post whatever, don't regulate any of it, or don't allow any of it, where would you fall? Uh, they should not ban anything. Just let it all out? Yeah. Does anyone want it? No. No one, think, no one wants to be that group who de- decides? No. Everyone shook their heads. Nah, they didn't want that responsibility. They didn't want to be making binding decisions for Facebook. Not Isaac, not Geffen, not Sheris, not Robbie. 20 students shaking their heads. I want to be about You want to? Yes. Hell yeah. I got paid. You got you paid? Get, you get class credit for Yeah, you get an A. Uh, oh, man. No. For an A. I was kind of staggered to hear that these incredible students didn't want to be the ones deciding what political ads are true enough to go up on social media. They either thought someone else should do it, or it shouldn't be done, or they'd do it if they could get paid. Like me, Mr. Cohen seemed pretty crestfallen. He asked his students if, in that case, democracy is just screwed. Are you asking if, like, <laughs> so democracy is a cry. concept is, like, inevitably, like, like screwed? No, yeah, it's like, no, we're not, we're not no. gonna, like, be willing to, like, no. Why no, are democracy you? is a concept, like, is it made in America? Who not but you? Yeah, we're gonna be honest, be like, you're all smart! You're making a scientific claim about something yeah, like the vaccine. What else are you doing? Exactly. Homework, your essay, your personal manifesto. Uh, so if I don't assign you essays, you'll do it. Mr. Cohen was trying to make a deal with the students. No homework? Okay, look, how about a different deal? Mr. Cohen has that standing offer to all of his students. If a student can return his killer tennis serve, they get an A. So how about any student who can return Mr. Cohen's serve can skip this assignment and doesn't have to decide what political ads can go up on Facebook. But all you students who can't return that man's serve, it is on you. The kids zipped up their backpacks, grabbed their water bottles, and left for the next period. They'd issued their verdict. Their job was done. In this test run, they'd set high standards, clear standards, hard rules. They challenged one another. They're willing to change their minds. These kids brought to this assignment a whole lot of savvy and energy, 
And they also brought an extraordinary capacity to look beyond their own views, to think about the needs of everyone, the public. My verdict? Jay-Z's idea for high school juries to be the final content moderators of political ads online is even more brilliant than I thought. I was thinking two things when I left Benji Cohen's classroom. The first was, maybe our civic institutions still work. It felt good to spend a day in a public high school classroom and see an amazing teacher working his magic, see students being brave. We'd have to convince them that they wanted to evaluate ads, but that seemed possible. Maybe the kids were all right. The second thing I was thinking, though, was that this solution can't come quickly enough. It was winter 2022, and already the nation was gearing up for another brutal election cycle. The last presidential election, the Biden and Trump campaigns together spent more than $460 million on ads online. That's not counting all the state and local races. It seemed a safe bet that the money spent on online ads was only growing, and so were the lies. So I'll be honest. I tried this at first because we were working on the new season of our show, and I wanted to do an episode on political misinformation. And this was just a very provocative proposal. But now I'd gone full mad social scientist. I'd become convinced that Jonathan Zittrain's idea was a great one. But I knew I hadn't sufficiently proven that it could work. And Jay-Z was right. If Mark Zuckerberg decided to run with this, it could be policy in a few months. So I went back to the lab. There were two things I needed to fix. First, one class period was not enough time for students to properly fact-check an ad. Second, what if this class was a one-off due to the genius of Mr. Cohen? Everything in his classroom, from the stuff on the walls to his voice, said, you are here to listen to one another and to learn and to care and to do good and to be brave. So to really test this idea, I figured I needed to try it out at a bigger scale. Different people, different place, teachers I don't know, schools I wasn't familiar with. I also wanted to try out a longer version with more ads and giving students more time to do the research. And then most of all, I wanted to mix things up and add another crucial element of Jonathan Zittrain's idea, political differences on the teen jury. It's not that there weren't differences at Ringe, there were, but not enough differences. I needed to ask students in two different schools to evaluate the same ads. Students in two high schools in two very different states. Next time on The Last Archive, trial by high school, take two. A whole other level, across state lines. Dueling schools, the March Madness, the World Series, the Olympic Games, a fact-checking. The Last Archive is written and hosted by me, Jill Lepore. It's produced by Sophie Crane, Ben Nadefhafri, and Lucy Sullivan. Our editors are Julia Barton and Sophie Crane, and our executive producer is Mia Lobel. Jake Gorski is our engineer. Fact-checking by Amy Gaines. Original music by Matthias Bossi and John Evans of Stellwagen Symphonette. Our research assistant is Mia Hazra. Our foolproof player is Robert Ricotta. Many of our sound effects are from Harry Jeanette Jr. and the Star Jeanette Foundation. Special thanks to Benji Cohen and the Cambridge Ringe and Latin High School. The Last Archive is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you love this show, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus, offering bonus content like The Last Archivist, 
a limited series just for subscribers, and ad-free listening across our network for $4.99 a month. Look for the Pushkin Plus channel on Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm. If you like the show, please remember to rate, share, and review. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jill Lepore. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.